Hey, this is Beth Nelson. I serve as the lead pastor at Prairie Heights Community Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for listening today. I hope this motivates you. I hope it builds your faith and helps you connect with Christ and a church family at Prairie Heights. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning. It's awesome to be with you this morning. My name is Doug, as Beth said, and I get to share with you a little bit about my experiences. And one of the things I want to start off sharing with you is I've got four kids, and they are never, never shy about sharing with me that I'm over 50 now, (laughs) which means I've got some experience behind me. And I've got a lot of good experiences. I've got a lot of bad experiences, just like all of you. And today, though, I want to talk about a specific kind of experience. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, where you've had something happen, and you've been involved in something, and you've gone... That's never, ever, ever going to happen to me again. Perhaps you ran out of gas. Perhaps you forgot to pay the utility bill and the water got turned off in your house. For me, I'll go back to 2008, and i got to give you a little context. So back in 2008, before I came to work at Prairie Heights, I was an athletic director at Minnesota State University, Moorhead. I was about 35, so I was one of the younger athletic directors in the conference. In the conference, that's just all the schools that make up our league that we played each other in. And we had a summer meeting. And I'll tell you what, when you're an athletic director during the school year, you're hoping, you are hoping that you play about 185 games in your athletic department, because that means you've won a whole lot. Usually it's around 160, so it's pretty busy during the school year, and I, I never minded that. Because, hey, I love sports, and I love being around people. And so it was a great blend, especially when we had the summer off. Pretty slow pace in the summer, except for one thing. Our conference, all those schools, we had, had a meeting in the summer. And it, it was on a weekend. And I always thought, this is not the smartest thing. So back in 2008, summer 2008, I made up my mind and said, okay, I'm going to get this changed. And that was, to be honest, when I was naive enough to think that just having a good idea was enough. So we go to the summer meetings, and we start the meetings, and the commissioner, he starts us off at the beginning and kind of walks through what the three days are going to look like. And he goes, does anybody, does anybody out there have anything you want to add to the agenda? And like a little kid in class that knows the answer, my hand goes up. I'm like, I do. He's like, Doug, what do you got? And I said, well... You know, we're pretty busy during the school year. We give up a lot of our weekends. So maybe it would make sense, and I'd like to discuss moving the weekend, these, these meetings off the weekend so, it, so it's during the week. And the commissioner, he looks at me and he goes, hmm, you know, we've always met at this time. It's always worked. I don't think we're going to do that. Does anybody else think we should move the meetings? And nobody says a word. So I know when I've lost. I know when what I want is not going to happen. So I was wise enough to keep my mouth shut at that point. We go through the meetings. Next thing I know, it's Saturday afternoon, and we're wrapping up the meetings, and the commissioner goes, anybody else got any final business you want to cover? And Bob. Both these guys are my friends. So Bob, he goes, you know, I've been thinking. We're pretty busy during the school year. In the meetings... They're on the weekend. I think we should move our meetings back so it's like Tuesday to Thursday. Commissioner looks at him and goes, hmm, that's a pretty good idea. I think we can do that. We even have a couple people sitting around the table saying, that's a great idea. Why haven't we done that before? And I'm sitting there and I'm going, this is never, ever going to happen to me again. 
This is never, ever going to happen to me again, where my idea, my thought, it doesn't get heard, and somebody else steals it. I don't know if it was more that I didn't get listened to or more that my idea got stolen, but I was like, this is never, ever going to happen to me again. I'd always been a student of leadership, and it, at that point, that was like pouring so, some gas on the fire, because I knew, I knew that I wanted to become a better leader so that people would listen when I had ideas or I was trying to take a group somewhere. And in fact, that's one of the reasons that attracted me to Prairie Heights back when we moved here, is Prairie Heights has always had a focus on leadership development. It's been important to our church. In fact, I still use this three-ring binder from back in 2012. There was a workshop called Maximum Impact. I pull it out every now and then, some great resources, and it's formed me. You know, even last week, our church, we hosted this event called LeaderCast FM. We had 300 people participate in it, and it was a leadership simulcast. We had 26 different businesses from around Fargo-Moorhead here in our church, and then a whole bunch of entrepreneurs and, and single business owners, and they were, they were coming in to learn about leadership. They were coming in, the topic was human intelligence, you know, how, how, to, how to work with people and how to have better relationships with people. You know, and, and that's part of STAND, right? We're trying to stand in the gap in our community, and it, it's a small part of our efforts to equip and empower people in our community to lead and to influence our community into better places. And next week, coming up, we've got the Fargo-Moorhead West Fargo Chamber of Commerce, the Young Professionals Network, where we're going to teach a little bit about the whole, whole idea of work and what the process of work looks like, because leadership is important, and I value that, and our church values that. And so that's been a great warm-up because leadership, it's a difference maker. And that's why we're doing this series called Lead the Way because leadership, it can make a difference. And what we want for you out of this series, what we sincerely want for you and for me, because I'm not exempt from that, is to get better and to be better at seeing people, at seeing their heart and seeking out what's inside them and, and, and helping draw, draw it out. It's focusing on people, not the job, not the task, not the product, not the result, not the performance, but focusing on people. And another way you can say that is, hey, we want to help people see who they are, not what they do. And I'll tell you what, when you start thinking just a little bit differently, it's going to change your mindset around and it's going to change how you lead around. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you right now as I look at all of you sitting here in the auditorium and whoever's joining us online, I guarantee you there is someone that's going, I am not a leader. That's not me. Why am I here? This isn't for me. I'm just going to say to you, yes, you are. You are a leader. Whether you accept it or not, that's the only question. Last October, the National Society of Leadership and Success, they did some research and they published their research. And they shared that the average person, this is the average person, that's you, and that's you, and that's you, and it's me. On average, the average person influences 80,000 people in their life. 80,000. That's three people a day. You influence, I, you influence three people a day. If I followed you around, I'd be able to point it out. You are a leader. The only question, the only question is, do you accept it? Do you accept it in your heart that I am a leader and that I influence people? Because you do. So as, as we're talking about leadership, I, 
I'm like, hmm, how do we define that? What does that look like? So I went to my good friend, I went to my good friend Google, and I typed in, who's the leadership expert in the world? Who's the best leadership person that's out there? And this name popped up, John Maxwell. So I, I started to do a little research and tried to figure out, hey, what is, what is this guy, John Maxwell? What does he say leadership is? How does he define leadership? What does it look like? And he defined leadership very simply. And he said, leadership is influence. It's nothing more and it's nothing less. And how do you get influence? How do you get influence? How do you make it so when you're sitting in that meeting and you raise your hand and you have an idea that you think is the next best thing since sliced bread and you want people to listen to you? How do you gain that influence? You add value to people. You add value to people. So I want you to turn to the person to your left and say, hey, you can add value to people. You can add value to people. We can all do it. And you might be going, Doug, how do you know we can all do it? How do you know that? I know it in a lot of different ways. Mostly because Jesus commanded me to do something and he commanded you to do something. And I don't think Jesus, I don't think he'd ask us to do something. I don't think he'd command us to do something, something that, that we couldn't do. It's simple. It's very simple. And let's take a step back. And right now I want you to think about who has influenced you in your life? Who's the most influential person in your life? Then I want you to think about why they were influential. This is my friend Greg. Known him longer or about as long as I've known my wife. He's, he's what I would call in my inner circle. And in, in fact, when I called him up and I, I started talking to him when I was thinking about leaving college athletics and coming to work in the, in the church, his wife, she's a great friend too. She's, she's a pastor down in Sioux Falls and we're talking about it. You know how Greg added value to me? He started asking me really hard questions and telling me it was a dumb idea. It's like, all right. But as you think about those people in your life and you think about who that person that's influenced you, they've influenced you because they've added value to you by telling you what you needed to hear, by encouraging you, by showing up, by being there. And that's, that's influence. So when you think about that and you think about, okay, what did Jesus do? How did Jesus tell us to to influence people? How do he tell us to add value so we can influence people, so we can lead people? You know, it, it's right here. It's in, it's in the Bible. It's in Matthew chapter 22. It's verses 37 and 38. Jesus got asked a question about what we should do, and Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. It's the first and greatest commandment he gave us. And the second the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's called the great commandment. That's what Jesus told us we should do. And what is loving your neighbor as you love yourself? It's adding value. And when you add value, you have influence. When you have influence, you can lead people. It's all blended together. Love people. That's what Jesus wanted us to do. Does that make sense? 
And I also know there's people in here that are thinking, whew, how did we go from leadership to Jesus? Because that was a fast left turn right there. And so, so just think about it. Just think about Jesus. He knew a little thing or two about leadership. There's no argument that Jesus walked on the earth about 2,000 years ago. That's, that's not a debate. But he walked on the earth 2,000 years ago, and today he's got about 2.5 billion followers. And you think about it, we're following him, so that means he's a leader. And how did he get in a leadership role and use that word? We, we talk about his influence. And, and how did he get influence? He added value to people. And what did Jesus call adding value to people? Love your neighbor like you love yourself. Love people. That's how we got there. It's that simple. I've been a student of leadership for a long time. I would say since the early 2000s is when I really understood that leadership is a skill. It's not just a, a gift or a talent. Some of us have some things that we've been gifted with that help us lead better, which means that influence is a skill, which means adding value to people is a skill, which means loving people is a skill. And you know what the thing is about skills? They can be learned. Every single one of us can learn how to love people, which in turn allows us to add value to people, which in turn allows us to influence people, which in turn allows us to lead people. It's a skill that we've all got. And as I've learned from all of those people, one of the things I found is it all goes back to Jesus. It's about every leadership principle idea out there. You can open up the Bible and you can find where it came from. And that's, that's why we're in this series. We're in this series called Lead the Way because we want to lead like Jesus led. So let's dive in. And let's talk about the Bible just for a second because I'm going to dive in there. So the Bible, there's the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the New Testament starts when Jesus is born. And so the first four books of the Old, New Testament, not the Old Testament, the first, first four books of the New Testament are what are called the Gospels. And they're called the Gospels because these four guys, independently, they were all in Jesus' circle, but they chronicled the history of what Jesus did while he was on earth. So I referred to Matthew a second ago, and he was the first one that, that, that's in the New Testament. It starts with the book of Matthew. And the thing about Matthew is he was a tax collector. And so I don't know if any of you know any accountants, but if you think about a tax collector and collecting money, they're pretty exact, if you know what I mean. And so I'll give you a little bit of a plug, because I talk to people all the time, and they're like, I want to read my Bible. I don't even know where to start. Well, I'd personally recommend, hey, if you're looking and you have a desire in your heart to start to read your Bible, start in the New Testament and start with Matthew, because it starts to tell about Jesus' life, and you'll, you'll start to get an understanding. So... We look back and we look at Jesus' life and he came, came to earth. And he came to earth and he was fully man. So he was just like us. He, he was a living, breathing person on earth. And he was a little bit different too because he was fully God. So that meant he was perfect. So he's here on earth and he's living just like we are and he's facing some of the same temptations that we are. But he's perfect at the same time. So I want to ask you a question. When you think about Jesus... What do you think about? 
I asked a few people that this week because I knew I was going to ask it this morning. And some of the answers I got were, you know, I think about the long flowing hair because Jesus is always depicted with long flowing hair. And people said, hey, I think about the cross. People said, I, I think about how he, how he died on the cross so I could be forgiven of my sins. We think about Jesus and we think about what he did for us. So today I'm going to ask you to think about Jesus a little bit differently in two different ways. I'm going to go back and forth. We're going to look at a little bit of scripture and we're going to look at what Jesus did for us and where he led us, the way that most of us think about Jesus. And then I'm going to ask you to think about Jesus and how he led. So there's a difference there. There's where he was leading us and where he was taking us and what he was trying to teach us. And then there's how he did it. Because I'll tell you one thing I do know, success leaves clues. And Jesus was successful, so why wouldn't we study him in that way? So let's, let's look at Jesus. He came to earth, and he came with a mission. He came with a job. He came with a task, an accomplishment that, that he wanted to get done. Sound like work? Because today, in Lead the Way, I'm, I'm talking about leading the way at work. And how many of you think about Jesus coming to earth to work? Probably not very many of you. But Jesus came to earth with a mission and a purpose and a job to get done. Just like all of us, I'm sure we all have something to do, something we want to get done, something we want to accomplish. And hopefully we have a purpose and a mission of, of what we're trying to accomplish. But the first thing Jesus did, he, he was here. You know what the first thing he did? He built a team. He got a team of, team of guys around him. You've heard them, the disciples. There were 12 of them. And I'm sure some of you have heard the story about where he just said to some of them, hey, follow me. And they followed but he built a team. So Jesus came with a, a mission, some work, a job, a task, and he built a team. And he took, he took his product. So think of it that way. He took his product. He took this thing, this idea that he wanted to sell to people, to convince people of. And he distributed it to his customer base, which was everybody on earth. Does that maybe sound a little bit about what some of us do is we have a job and we have a task. We recruit people to help do it. And then we go out and we do it. So thinking about Jesus as a leader is a little bit different. So let's go back into the scripture. Now I'm going to ask you to think about Jesus and where he's trying to take us. So we're going to go into the book of John. And he's one of those four guys. One of the reasons why I like John is he's the last book out of those four books of the gospel. He captured what Jesus was doing. He wrote down what Jesus was doing, but where he was a little different than the other, other three guys, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I just wanted to prove that I know who the four authors of the book of the gospels are. But one of the things that was a little bit different about John is he captured the what, but he also captured a little bit of the why. So let's dive into scripture. We're going to go into John. We're going to go into chapter 14. And our core verse for this series is chapter 6 and 7. And I want to give you a little bit of context. So it's the Last Supper. We're all familiar with the Last Supper where Jesus, he brought his disciples together. He washed their feet. They broke bread. They drank from the cup. And we just talked about it not too long ago. And this is right after. Pretty close. It's within 10 minutes, I'd predict. Right after Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me three times. 
So you got this guy who is known as a passionate follower of Jesus. And Jesus told him, you're going to deny me three times. So where do you think Jesus' team was at? What do you think they're feeling? You're one of those disciples, and you're probably feeling a little stressed, a little worried. You don't know what's going on. You don't know how it's all going to turn out. And I don't know about you guys when you're stressed and when you're worried, but I want to control it. I want to know everything I can about the situation. I want to know all the details, and I want to hold on tight, and I want to control it. And we see the disciples doing it. One of the disciples, his name is Thomas, he, he says to Jesus, I don't know the way. And here's how Jesus responds. Again, we're in the book of John, chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Now, Jesus, he wasn't saying, I am the way and the truth and the life in some things. He was saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life in all things, in everything. And when you really dive into it, this verse is a great example. Because we're thinking about what does that mean to us? And, and how does that apply to us? And right now, I'm going to ask you to hop back over and think about, okay, what was Jesus doing there? How was he leading his team? Because his team, they were worried. So let's look at what Jesus did and how, how he taught him. So let's go back to verse 14, 6. Jesus tells his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, Jesus knows who he is. And that's the first thing we can learn from Jesus, the perfect leader, is we should know who we are. In fact, if you go in and you're in the book of John, there's these seven statements that are called the I am statements, where Jesus, seven different times in the book of John, said who he was. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the true vine. So here's my first question that'll maybe kick you in the shin a little bit. How would you finish that sentence? I am. Finish that sentence in your mind. I am. What comes out? Unfortunately, society tells us we are what we do for work. I am an executive director. I am this. I am that. Who are you really? It's definitely worth taking some time and reflecting on that. And so that's the first half of the thing that Jesus was trying to teach us, is we have to know who we are. We have to be able to finish the sentence, I am. But then look and, let's look and see what Jesus said after that. We're going to go back to verse 14, 6. And Jesus, he takes it to the next level for us. Let's read the whole verse again. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The second half of how Jesus led right there is he said, I am, I am through my Father. Who was Jesus' Father? It was God. Jesus said, my identity is in God. So you put those two things together is, answer the question, I am in God. 
What's the purpose God made you for? What are the giftings he gave you? What did he bless you with? Too often we wrap up our identity in what we do and what we've accomplished or maybe the house we live in or the car we drive. And we forget that we're all, I mean, I am a child of God. You are a child of God. And he's gifted us all in different ways. And Jesus taught us we have to know who we are in God and that our identity is in God. Hope you're thinking about that. I hope you're thinking about how you'd finish the I am statement. Because if you don't know who you are, you're just gonna wander around aimlessly. Now, the second thing that Jesus taught us from a leadership perspective is he defined reality. He knew who he was, he knew who he was in God, and then he started to define reality. And so he did that in a couple different ways. And we're gonna go back into the Bible and, and I wanna give you a little Bible reading tip again. Because I'm, I gotta tell you, I'm a better Bible reader now than I ever have been in my life. Uh, and so as I learn things and I learn the mistakes, I just wanna share them with other people so that maybe you pick up on it a little quicker than I did. It doesn't take you until you're 50, as my kids would say. One of the things that happens is we use the Bible as a convenience. We'll read one verse and we're like, oh, that's perfect right now in that verse. And we just use that verse. One of the things I've learned is we've got to get full context. We've got to read before that verse and we have to read after that verse. So while we're using chapter, six or chapter 14 verses 6 and 7 as our core verse, we also have to look at, okay, what happened before it and what happened after that? So let's go before, and we're gonna still be in, in the book of John, but we're gonna do verses one through four. So I'm gonna read those to you. And if you've got your Bible, hey, feel free to follow along. But Jesus, he knows where his team is at. So the first thing he says is, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you where I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me and that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. You know the way to the place I am going. So the first thing Jesus did was he helped his followers, his team, his disciples see where they were at. Do not let your hearts be troubled. He wanted them to know he saw them. He saw where they're at. He realized they were worried. He wasn't worried about where he was. He was worried about where his team was. And sometimes people need reminding of that. I've got a colleague and they were getting ready to do a kind of a, a well, they were getting ready to do a funeral. And they wanted to be perfect because they, they really cared about, about the family. And they lost a, someone that was near and dear to them. So met with, met with the family, got their feelings, prayed, got what was on, on their heart and wrote it out. And then like we should all do, she used her team and she asked one of her teammates to look at it. And the teammate came back and said, hey, this is really good. Except you might want to add some scripture into it. And that's a perfect picture. It's a perfect picture. You're so eyeball deep in some of the things that you're doing and your team is so eyeball deep in some of the things that they're doing that sometimes they might just miss what seems so obvious. 
So Jesus, he's reminding his, his team where they're at, don't let your hearts be troubled. He defined reality. And I've had an experience like this, and I'm sure you have all too, where you've gone through tough things. The first thing that came to my mind as I was praying and reading and trying to figure out how I was going to share with you today is it went back to, to COVID. I'll never forget the day. I'm sitting in my office, and I'm getting ready. I'm going to get on a plane in a little bit. But our wrestling team, they're at the national championships warming up on the mat because their national championship meet starts at one o'clock. Our track team, they're in another part of the country. It's the day before their national championship starts and they're getting ready and they're practicing. Our basketball team's in the gym because they're gonna get on a plane and fly to their national championship. And then it all ended. It got shut down. Everything got canceled right in the middle. And I was responsible for leading about 400 student athletes and the coaches. And the first thing I had to do is what Jesus did. So I had to let them know I saw where they were at. That they had just had their hearts broken, that what they'd been working for and dreaming for their whole life, it, it was all of a sudden, it, it was just gone. And you need to meet people where they're at and you have to define where you're at, even if it's not a, a good place, before you can begin to move on. So if we dive back into that verse, Jesus does even better. He just keeps jumping in, which is no surprise because he's perfect, right? He came to earth fully man like you and me, and he came to earth fully God, perfect. He told his team where they were going. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go there and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. So he met them where they were at and then he told them where they were going. And there's something else that he did in there that's pretty important. He also told them how to do it. So if we go back into that verse and we go to the very beginning, he sees them where they're at and says, do not let your heart be troubled. But then he says, you believe in God. And in the, believe also in me. You believe in God. Believe also in me. He just equipped them. He just told them how to do it. He found a common experience that every single one of those 12 disciples had. Every single one member of his team, they did believe in God. They did know who God was. And he's asking them to believe in him like they believe in God. Same thing, same concept, same principle. It's just believing in a, different, in a different entity. Don't have quite the right word right there. But he told his team how to get there. So he started off and he said, hey, I know you're worried. This is where we're going and this is how we're gonna do it. The bad news is that's not enough. So what's that third magic ingredient? Okay, the first one is to know who you are in God. The second one is to define reality. And the third one, it's encouragement. So I'm gonna show you a little video. I'm a sports guy, so all you need to know is you got Steve Kerr, he's the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, and he's talking to one of his players, who's Steph Curry, who's a future Hall of Famer, arguably one of the best shooters ever to play the game of basketball in the NBA. So take a look at this. 
want to show you. That's your shooting totals. That's your plus minus. All right? So it's not always tied together. You're doing great stuff out there. The tempo is so different when you're out there. Everything you generate for us is so positive. It shows up here. Not always there, but it always shows up here. You're doing great. Carry on, my son. So did you pick up on that? He had the stat sheet. And he pretty much showed him where he was at. And he wasn't doing very good. He was sucking in the statistics. But then he told him where, where he was going. He's like, hey, when you're out there, you create great tempo. You pick up the pace. Our team gets a little bit better. Told him where he's going. And then he encouraged him. Carry on. This is what happens when you do this. It's good for our team. Jesus, he cheered people on. He wasn't in the back pushing. He was in the front encouraging people on. Listen to what he says to them in, in verse four. He says, you know the way. He's reminding them that in the stress of the moment, they've forgotten what they can do. And then he encourages them again. He tells them what they will do that they're going to do even greater things than he did. Can you imagine how mind-boggling that was if you watched Jesus heal people and he says to you, you're going to do the same things I did? So we had the core verse. We read a little bit before. Now we're going to read a little bit after. So we jump, jump into verse 12. And Jesus says to his disciples, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Jesus is telling his disciples, you're going to do more than I ever, you ever saw me do. And he tells them why, because I'm going to the Father. He's telling them what he sees in them and what he can see them accomplish. He's encouraging them all the way to the finish line. I mean, Jesus, he displayed what leadership is. Hey, know who you are in God, define reality, and encourage people. And in Jesus' words, that's loving people. And loving people is adding value to people. And when you add value to people, you can influence people. And influence, that's what leadership is, nothing more, nothing less. And I'll come back to it again and say, I don't believe Jesus was gonna command us to do something that he didn't make us to do. Every single one of you is a leader. So now this is where it gets hard. First question I'm gonna ask you to ask yourself is, how am I doing loving God? Do I talk to him? Do I pray? Do I spend time with him? Do I listen to what he has back? Not an easy question. Second thing I'm going to challenge you in is, how well are you loving people? Really? How well are you at loving people? Are you worried about what they're feeling or are you worried about that they know how you feel? Are you worried about where they're trying to get or are you thinking about where you're trying to get? How well are you doing loving people? Those are two questions you can answer and I'm gonna give you something that you can do and I'm gonna challenge you to do it. In this next week, between today and next Sunday, pick someone. Pick someone in your life doesn't matter who it is, be somebody. It could be your spouse, it could be your kid, it could be your parent, it could be your best friend, it could be the coworker that you have at work that you don't like. Pick a person and focus on loving them. Loving them like Jesus did.
Because here's what happens. When you are pursuing Jesus and you're really, truly trying to love people, it changes how you lead. It changes how you influence. It changes what your idea of adding value to people is. It gives you a broader perspective about how to love people. I'm a great leader at work. No one would ever question that. Let's just take my 15 years at MSUM. When I spoke, people listened. I had influence. I loved people. I cared for people. Some of you, some of you that are here today are just like that. You're great leaders at work. But I can't, can't leave this today and not say, how are you doing at home? Because if I'm honest with myself, I was a great leader at work and my family got what was left over. How are you doing in that? As I've gotten better and as I've pursued Jesus and, and spent time with God and, and really tried to love people better, I, I, I've learned from my wife. I've got an 11-year-old son who loves to play video games and I'm sure you guys know kids somewhere that love to play video games and it's competitive and they wanna win. And it used to be we had to gather in somebody's living room, but now you can play video games with all your friends and never leave your house and you got a headset on and a microphone. And I'll tell you what, my son, he just gets more excited and more excited, which means he gets louder and louder and louder. And me, I'd say, Marshall, quiet down, because I'm managing him. I'm giving him the expectation I'm holding him accountable for. But my wife, she's loving him. So I'll say, hey, Marshall, do you hear yourself getting louder? Do you hear yourself getting more excited? She helps him see where he's at. And then she gets him to think about, is that, is that emotion and how you're acting? Is that how you want those feelings to come out? And then she encourages him. And encouragement, it's not always roses and rainbows. Sometimes the encouragement can be, hey, if you don't change your path, this is what's gonna happen. And she's like, hey, if you don't quiet down, you're not gonna get to play, any, play, play your game anymore. I know you can do it, Marshall. I know you can do it. That's loving people. That's meeting people where they're at. It's not saying, tone it down, Marshall. Man, Jesus commanded us to, to love God and to love people. And when you actually do it, you lead in an entirely different way. And that's what, that's what I want for you. That's what Prairie Heights wants for you, is to lead like Jesus did. Hey, it's what I want for myself. So let me say a prayer. God, thank you for this awesome day and thank you for sending your son Jesus to earth and all that he did for us and also letting us learn from him about how he led and how he led the way for us and let us see and learn and have open minds and hearts about how we can lead a little bit more like Jesus did, which at the end of the day is really just all about loving people. So God, I just ask that you put on everybody's heart and on their mind a focus on loving people in a way that we never have before. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to Prairie Heights. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit prairieheights.com give for more information. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, 
or even take a screenshot and share it on your social media and tag us at Prairie Heights. Thank you for listening. 